Everyone loves a good family mystery, especially one with as many twists and turns as June's journey. Step into the role of June Parker and search for hidden clues to uncover the mystery of her sister's murder. Find hidden clues and uncover a murder mystery. Solve mind-teasing mysteries of the Roaring Twenties. Engage your sense of observation to find hidden clues. Search for hidden objects from the parlors of New York to the sidewalks of Paris and uncover a collection of dazzling hidden object spectacles for you to solve. We're all here because we love true crime, right? Well, this game has the perfect twists and turns to keep your brain asking, what happened here? There's nothing I love more than getting to decorate my very own luxurious state island. The best part? You can chat and play with or against other players by joining a detective club. Can you crack the case? Download June's Journey for free today on iOS and Android. Hello, listeners. I'm your host, Amara, and this is Black Girl Gone, a true crime podcast. On this episode of Black Girl Gone, we tell the story of Aisha Muhammad, a 23-year-old woman who went missing from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania in November 2000. Three days after Aisha went missing, her son showed up alone at a church in East Orange, New Jersey. 21 years later, Aisha is still missing. What happened to Aisha? This is Aisha's story. The biggest issue when trying to highlight stories that involve missing Black women and women of color is the fact that there always tends to be such little information available publicly. In these cases, police are resistant to releasing information, and so even if there is information, it's limited. But I still try my best to bring these stories to you with as much information as I can find. And so you may notice that sometimes the missing person episodes are a little shorter than others, but still just as important, if not more. Now, the story of Aisha Muhammad is another mysterious disappearance that got very little attention from the media outside of Philadelphia. And even in this city, it wasn't really a major story because most people, including myself, had never heard about Aisha. Now, believe me when I tell you, bad things do happen in Philadelphia. Our number one problem in this city is gun violence, and it has been for a very long time. A lot of people in this city have simply become desensitized to violence, but stories involving missing people usually get a little bit more attention from the public. Now, in reality, I was in seventh grade in 2000, and so for me not to have been aware of Aisha missing at that age is very likely. But in the 21 years since she's been gone, I can't remember seeing her face on the news a single time. And so I know a lot of people have never heard her story. And if they did, they've forgotten. But when she disappeared in November 2000, Aisha left behind everything, including her two-year-old son. Now, there isn't much information available about Aisha's life. We do know that she was born on October 11th, 1977 in Chester, PA. Now, Chester is a suburb of Philadelphia, and it is an area very much like the city itself that has been, you know, plagued by violence over the years. Now, 
it's not clear, but it appears that Aisha grew up in Chester. And by 1998, Aisha had given birth to her only son. Aisha was described by those who loved her as a friendly person who everyone loved. Now, Aisha and her son's father were not together, but they were co-parenting their son, and it appeared that they had a really good relationship. By all accounts, Aisha was a great mother who loved her son very much. At 23 years old, Aisha had decided that she wanted to go to cosmetology school, and so she enrolled at the Venus Beauty Academy located in Sharon Hill, PA, which is another close suburb of the city of Philadelphia. Now, while Aisha was going to school, she had also started working at a salon in the city. Now, during this time, Aisha and her son were sharing a place with her sister in Chester. But where they were living was really too far of a commute for Aisha. And so she decided that she really needed to move closer to school and work. Now, if you're from Philadelphia, you know that the rent in the city can be very expensive. And suburbs like Sharon Hill, where the school was, tend to be even higher. And so for a young mother who was in school and, you know, trying to raise a two-year-old, even in the year 2000, I'm pretty sure it was hard for her to find affordable housing. But Aisha had a family member who owned a really large home in West Philadelphia. And West Philadelphia is the closest part of the city to Sharon Hill and to Chester. So it would really be perfect for Aisha. Now, the man who owned the building was the half-brother of Aisha's father, and her father was living out of state at this time. Now, this house was a very large home in West Philadelphia. And again, if you're from the city, you know that, you know, the houses in West Philly can be really big, you know, three stories. And so her father's brother, his name is Charles Dawkins. He owned one of these houses and he was actually fixing it up so that he could rent out the rooms of the house. And so when Aisha needed a place to stay, she and Charles agreed that she would pay him some rent, and in exchange, she would have a room to live in that was closer to work and school. Now, like I said, Aisha and her son's father had shared a shared custody agreement. And so the father would have the son during the week, and Aisha would have him on the weekends. And so having a room was really just enough space temporarily for Aisha while she finished school. Now, sometime near the end of October, beginning of November, Aisha moved into the West Philly home owned by her uncle. Now, Aisha had only been living in the home for a few weeks when things between her uncle started to go south. Now, it's unknown what the issues were between the two, but according to Aisha's family, the tension between the two started escalating and Aisha had been expressing to her family and friends how frustrated she was living, you know, in this situation. And so, I mean, without any context regarding, like, the nature of their relationship before Aisha moved in, it's hard to even speculate about why they would, you know, start arguing or what, what would have started even the first argument. I mean, she was renting a room, and she hadn't even been there for a month. So what was, you know, what were the issues going on? Now, Aisha had spent most of her time at school and at work, and then she had her son on the weekends. So, you know, it's hard to imagine what was going on in that home that would have caused them to be arguing after only a couple of weeks of living together. 
So the week of, after Thanksgiving, Aisha called her son's father and she asked if she could have more time with her son. And so him and Aisha agreed that she would keep the two-year-old with her from November 27th to December the 8th. But by November 29th, Aisha was becoming more and more frustrated with Charles and his alleged behavior. According to Aisha's sister, Aisha called her that day and told her that Charles was quote-unquote acting crazy. And so Aisha's sister told her that, you know, she could move out and move in with her. On November 30th, Aisha called her brother Solomon, and Aisha told Solomon that she needed Wakita, her sister, to come and pick her up because she had been arguing with Charles and she just couldn't take it anymore. She told her brother that Charles was still acting crazy and that he had allegedly thrown out her and thrown her dinner in the trash. But Wakita wasn't home and Solomon didn't have a car. So he told Aisha that he would tell Wakita to call her as soon as she got in the house. Aisha also called her son's father that day too. And according to him, although he had agreed that that he and Aisha had agreed that he would keep the son until December 8th, she said that she needed to bring him back because she had plans for that weekend. Now, the way this is reported in a few places, it kind of makes it seem that this part of the story about her needing to return her son to his father is not connected to what's happening in the house. But what it looks like to me is that whatever was happening in the house had boiled over and Aisha needed to move out like ASAP. And that would have been harder with a two-year-old. And so Aisha made arrangements to drop their son off at his father's house in Chester. Now, when Wakita returned home, Solomon told her about speaking to Aisha and, you know, he said that, you know, told her what she said Charles was doing and how he was acting. And so Wakita decided to call her sister, but Aisha wasn't answering the phone. And Wakita called and called and called, but the calls went unanswered. Now, after being unable to reach Aisha, her family started calling Charles to ask him if he knew where Aisha was, but Charles wasn't answering the phone either. And so they started leaving him multiple messages demanding that he call them back. Now, finally, after numerous calls and messages, Charles speaks to Aisha's family, and he tells them that Aisha packed up her things and moved out with her son. Now, Aisha's family is immediately confused and concerned, and they know that something is wrong. I mean, how would Aisha have just gotten all her things out of the house? Aisha didn't have a car, and so she wouldn't have just left. I mean, it's 2000. She couldn't have just taken an Uber or a Lyft. I mean, granted, she could have taken a cab, but taking a cab where? The only logical place that she would have gone would have been to her sister's house. but. She, of course, was not there, and no one had spoken to Aisha. Now, Aisha's family was, of course, immediately suspicious of Charles, and they knew that him and Aisha had been fighting, and now Aisha and her son were gone. After speaking to Charles and hearing that Aisha had allegedly moved out of the house she was staying in, Aisha's siblings were beginning to panic. Now, it had been a couple of days since anyone had seen or spoken to Aisha or her son. 
And so Aisha's siblings decided that they needed to call their father, who was living in Atlanta at this time, to let him know, you know, that Aisha's missing and what his brother had told them. And so Aisha's father, you know, as soon as he finds out that his daughter is missing, he gets on a plane and flies to Philadelphia so that he can help look for his his daughter. When Aisha's father arrived in Philadelphia, he gathered with the rest of Aisha's family and they decided to go over to the home where Aisha was living as a group. But when they arrive, what they find would immediately deepen their suspicions that something bad might have happened to Aisha and possibly her son too. Now, when Aisha's family arrive at the home in West Philadelphia, where she had been living for only a few weeks, they are disturbed not really by what they find, but by what they don't find. Now, Charles let Aisha's family into the home, and when they go to the room where Aisha was staying, they find absolutely nothing. None of Aisha's belongings are in the room. It has been completely cleaned out. And all that is in the room is a single dresser and a bed with a fitted sheet on the mattress. Now, Charles once again tells Aisha's family that, you know, Aisha packed up all of her things and he left. Now, it's not clear from the reports if Aisha's family had gone to the police at this point or not, but they were extremely worried about Aisha. Now, Aisha was in school and she was working. And more than that, she was raising her son, and she had a pretty good relationship with his father. So it was very unlikely that Aisha was just gone by choice. Three days after Aisha was last seen, as her family in Philadelphia was becoming more and more concerned about her and her son, another mystery was unfolding miles away in the city of East Orange, New Jersey. And it would take days before police would connect it to what happened to Aisha. In early December, three days after Aisha had last spoken to her family, a church called Liberty Temple was hosting their usual late morning Sunday service when they started to hear a knock at the door. Now, I say knock, but it was actually described as more like a banging at the door. Now, one of the deacons from the church got up and went to see who and why someone was banging on the door during their service. And when the deacon opened the door, standing there crying was Aisha's two-year-old son alone. Now, whoever had been banging on the door had just left the child at the front door and fled. And so the deacon brought him inside and told the pastor, who at first assumed that the child was, you know, belonged to someone in the congregation and had just lost track of him during service. But when the end of service came, he asked the congregation whose child he was, and no one claimed to be with the child. Now, Aisha's son was understandably upset. I mean, he was only two and a half years old, and he had just been left at a strange place alone. But the staff at the church had no idea who this child was. They also had no idea that 82 miles away in Philadelphia that his mother's family was looking for him and his mother. Now, Aisha's son was eventually able to tell the church staff his name, but he couldn't tell them how he had gotten to the church or who had dropped him off. The staff at the church tried to locate the child's family, but no one knew who he was. Now, eventually, after attempting to locate the child's family, the church staff was left with no other choice but to call the authorities. The fact that Aisha's son had ended up at the front door of this random church in New Jersey is really one of the strangest parts of this case. 
Now, when I'm doing research, I always like to Google map certain locations so I can really get like a complete visual of it. And when I looked up the information about this church where Aisha's son was dropped off, I read that they had only been in that location for a couple of years after having been in several locations since the, you know, since the church first opened. And in the year 2000, Liberty Temple was hosting service on the second floor of an auto body shop after the city had declared eminent domain over their previous location. And so we aren't talking about like a traditional looking church. They probably, you know, maybe had a sign in the window, but nothing else about this place would have indicated that there was a church upstairs. And so it's very, very strange that of all the churches in East Orange that the person, you know, would drop Aisha's son off at that church. But, you know, back in Philadelphia, Aisha's family had no idea that their nephew and grandson had been found safe in New Jersey. On December 9th, 2000, 10 days after Aisha was last seen and heard from, one of Aisha's sisters went to visit her boyfriend, who was in prison at the time, in New Jersey. And during their visit, he tells her something that she was definitely not expecting to hear from him on her visit. He tells her that he was watching TV and that he could have sworn that he saw her nephew, Aisha's son, on the news. Now, recalling the story to the Philadelphia Daily News, Aisha's sister said that when he told her that, that she instantly became hysterical because at that time, Aisha and her son had been missing for almost two weeks. In East Orange, Aisha's son's photo had been plastered all over the news and local papers, but the news had not made it all the way to Philadelphia. So it was really fate that Aisha's sister's boyfriend saw the news that day. So once Aisha's family found out the information about her son being found, they contacted the East Orange Police Department so that they could go and get him. And within a week of Aisha's son showing up at the Liberty Church, he was reunited with her family, miraculously physically unharmed. But with him back in their custody, dread about where Aisha was and what happened to her was growing even bigger. Aisha was a great mom, so they knew that she didn't leave her son at a church in New Jersey. And so at that point, they were almost 100% sure that something had happened to Aisha. And once they started to ask her son questions, what they believed would all but be confirmed. Once Aisha's son was back with her family, the two-year-old began to talk to them about the last time he saw his mommy. And what he said was beyond disturbing. When Aisha's siblings asked their nephew about what happened to her, her son told them his mommy was dead. I mean, shocking words coming out of any child's mouth, but especially a two-year-old. But Aisha's son was clearly a very smart two-year-old. And so when he began talking about what happened to his mommy, they believed him. He also tells them that there was a fight and that a man had punched his mommy in the face and that she was bleeding. He said that he, quote unquote, was fighting him and mommy was fighting with him. Now, here's what's interesting. Aisha's son identified who he said killed his mommy by name. But I don't believe the person's name has ever been publicly released. By this time, police were now investigating Aisha's disappearance as a missing persons case. They spoke to Aisha's son, who told them the same story he had told his family. 
But police also spoke to several other people, including Charles Dawkins, Aisha's uncle and landlord. Now, when they spoke to Charles, they were fully aware of the issues that existed between him and Aisha prior to her going missing. But when they spoke to Charles, much like her family, they didn't believe what he was telling them. And he confirmed that he was lying by changing his story about where Aisha was in the two interviews that police had with him. And so after changing his story, police asked Charles to take a lie detector test, which was supposed to be scheduled for January 2001. Now, while police were investigating possible witnesses, they were also searching the area for any signs of Aisha, but they were coming up with nothing. It's not clear from reporting where police searched for Aisha. Now, seeing that her son turned up 82 miles away in New Jersey could have meant that she was there or that her body was possibly dumped there. But either way, Aisha had disappeared and her family and police were becoming more and more concerned that Aisha had met with foul play. Now, I'm sure police were hoping that the results of Charles' lie detector test would help give them some answers, but... Charles did not take the lie detector test as scheduled in January 2001. Instead, he fled. Now, here's the frustrating thing about this case. With everything police seem to have, you know, had on Charles, it's not really clear whether or not he was formally a suspect. And so if he wasn't formally a suspect, then he was technically free to leave. Except in Charles' case... He wasn't really free to leave because he was on parole after being released from prison. Apparently, Charles had served time for aggravated robbery and burglary. And then in 1999, he became a fugitive after failing to return from a furlough from prison. Charles then remained a fugitive until 1993 when he was arrested again and resentenced for his escape. He was released from prison in April 2000 just a few months before Aisha moved into his home and went missing. And so when he fled the state, he also stopped checking in for parole, and so a warrant was issued for his arrest. Months went by, and police continued to look for Aisha, but they were unable to locate any evidence or any information about what happened to her. The running theme in these stories that I tell is the lack of information that police are willing to release about the case. I mean, I understand upholding the integrity of the case, but there's certain information that would be helpful for the public to know, and it's really, really frustrating when they don't let this information out and refuse to release it. And so after nearly six months on the run, Charles Dawkins was finally caught after being pulled over in Camden, New Jersey. After police ran his information, they discovered that he had a warrant and he was arrested and sent back to state prison for multiple parole violations. But he was never charged in connection to Aisha's disappearance. With no witnesses, no evidence, and no information, Aisha's case went completely cold. Aisha's family kept looking for her, but as time went on, hope was fading. Two years after Aisha went missing, the Philadelphia cold case unit started looking into her case, and a $1,000 reward was offered for information in her disappearance, but unfortunately, it didn't lead to any new information that would help find Aisha. 
Aisha's son went to live with his father, who raised him. But life never really moved on for Aisha's family. It's now been 21 years since Aisha vanished. She would be 44 years old now. Her son had to grow up without his mother, and Aisha's family has been left with the unknown, unable to really get closure. After 21 years, cases like this really need people to speak up because the chances of evidence coming up are slim, although not impossible. And like all missing person cases, we can't stop caring until we bring the missing home. Aisha's family believes that she is probably no longer alive, but they want to bring her home so that they can lay her to rest. Aisha's case is cold. There hasn't been any recently updated information, and so we leave her story incomplete because after 2002, there's really no information about her case. We do know that Aisha deserves to be found, and her family deserves to know what happened to her, especially her son. And so if you have any information about Aisha's whereabouts, or the circumstances of her disappearance, please contact the Philadelphia PD. Thank you for listening to this week's episode. We will be back next week with a brand new story. Join us on Patreon for exclusive mini-sodes and ad-free episodes. As always, like us on Facebook, follow us on Instagram and TikTok at Black Girl Gone Podcast. Listening on Apple Podcasts? Show your support for the show by leaving a review and a five-star rating. Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games.